Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. In general, do you think America's best days are ahead of us or behind us? That was a question asked in 2015 for something called the American Values Survey. And answers varied by political party, but a lot of Americans were worried that the best was not yet to come. Nearly 60 percent of Republicans thought our best days were behind us. And nearly 40 percent of Democrats agreed, which might help explain the appeal of a slogan like Make America Great Again, whose champion had only become a presidential contender a few months before that survey question was asked. But the notion of how great things once were, it's not unique to now. It's a notion that entranced Don Draper from the show Mad Men as he talked about nostalgia while showing off a carousel of slides containing precious moments in his own life. Let's just travel the way a child travels. Around and around, back home again. To a place where we know we are loved. And nostalgia is a notion that singer Phil Oak celebrated in the 1962 song, Time Was. Time was when a man could live alone. A man could build a home, have a family of his own. The peaceful years would flow, he could watch his children grow. But it was a long time ago. But why does nostalgia exist? Why did so many people in both 2015 and 1962 and, I suspect, 1815 and 1762, why did they have the nagging sense that things used to be better in a time that they had hazy memories of? Christine Batcho researches nostalgia, and she says, we happen to be living in a time when it's particularly high. She's a psychology professor at Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York. Christine, welcome. Thank you. So let's first off start with kind of um, a definition here. What does nostalgia mean to you? What does it mean to be nostalgic? That is an excellent question because the meaning of the word changed over time. It was coined in 1688 by a medical physician. And in Huffer, that was his name, in his definition, it's really homesickness, a severe state of homesickness that actually could be fatal in its most horrible level or degree. To me, I have chosen to research personal nostalgia. And personal nostalgia is that bittersweet feeling that you have when you're yearning for, missing, or longing for something from your past. Mm -hmm. There are other kinds of nostalgia as well. And so it's an important question to get down to the definitions. So as you kind of allude to there, um, do you want to talk about the difference between like personal nostalgia and historical nostalgia? Though I assume there's kind of a lot of bleed between the two in some ways. That is a most important question. Uh, Traditionally, most theorists look at historical nostalgia as longing for a time, a period in history. And usually that period in history can even predate your own birth. Okay. So if someone were to say, oh, I'm nostalgic for the Victorian era, and uh, what does that really mean to be nostalgic for something that you never lived through? That is a separate kind of emotional experience. I collected data on both historical and personal. Hmm. The difference, though, is not as simple as how many years ago or even whether it was before your own birth or after your birth. 
it can come down, in my most recent uh, studies, it appears that the distinction comes down to a psychological feeling of connectedness. So if you're missing something that you feel somehow personally relevant or meaningful to you, then that would come under the umbrella of personal nostalgia. Okay. I'll give you a simple example. If you were being told stories by your grandparents and you started to become nostalgic for the childhood they described to you, mm -hmm. well, clearly you weren't alive then. Right. So that would be technically historical nostalgia. But because it's in a personal relationship with your own grandparents, I might consider that to be an example of personal. Hmm. You've probably asked yourself this many times, but I wonder why nostalgia exists. Because I could see an argument that nostalgia, you know, has you always looking in the rearview mirror and not looking at what's ahead in some ways. Maybe you're not thinking about progress or pushing your own life forward because you're thinking about what's already happened. Why do we get nostalgic? Nostalgia does date back thousands of years. So presumably... It's a part of the universal human experience that probably always existed and therefore probably always will. If it always existed, then it must serve certain needs that humans have. And some of the needs that it appears to serve uh, in terms of my research and the research of others who've uh, also jumped into this uh, theoretical arena have to do with two really important aspects of being a healthy person. One is to be connected, surprisingly, to yourself, meaning we change so much over one lifespan. So if you look back at photos in the family uh, album of yourself as a baby or a toddler, right. it's almost impossible to relate to that. And so one of the most important philosophical questions is, how do we even know that we are the same person we were 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever? And keeping track of what we call identity, a sense of who you are, a self, that is very critical to psychological well-being. Nostalgia motivates reverie or reminiscence. And when you reminisce, what you're doing is you're bringing the past forward. It's not that you're returning to the past. A lot mm -hmm. of times people misunderstand it and they think you want to regress, you want to go back. Uh, quite the contrary. You want to bring the past forward so you mm -hmm. can contemplate it within today's context. And that way you keep the unity of yourself together. Mm -hmm. The other really important uh, function is to connect us to other people. Mm -hmm. So you are, for example, your mother's daughter or your brother's sister, that kind of thing. And so in a way, keeping connected to other people is also important to our sense of psychological integrity and authenticity. And uh, nostalgia plays a very important role in keeping people connected to other people. If you look at the general population, um, and, and maybe focusing on, let's say, older adults, when people look back and they're nostalgic for a time in their lives, does that time tend to be a similar time? Like people are nostalgic for their 20s. People are nostalgic for their teens. People are nostalgic for when they were little kids. Is there any kind of like broad conclusions you can draw about the time that most sort of made an impression on people? 
It is true that nostalgia peaks during two different time periods in our lifetime. One of them is late adolescence into early adulthood. When I first uncovered that, it was surprising, not just to me, but to other theorists, because most people associate nostalgia with uh, old age. That is the other peak, but actually of the two, most researchers have found that late adolescence, early adulthood is a higher level than even aging. So well, let me the, just make sure. It's, so it's not like when you're old, you think about being in late adolescence. It's when you're in late adolescence, at that moment, you are nostalgic for an earlier time. That's right. So okay. it's a little bit of a sliding scale because okay. if you're 20, you're probably feeling nostalgic for middle school or toddlerhood or something like that. But if you're 80, you're probably nostalgic for, and now to address your question directly, it's true that it depends upon what you're nostalgic for. The number one area that people tend to be most nostalgic for are their relationships because nostalgia is fundamentally a social emotion. So if you're 80 or if you're 50, you're going to be nostalgic for romantic relationships that you had, family relationships, maybe relationships with people who were very meaningful in your life, a coach, a trainer, mm -hmm. a favorite teacher. And so if you, it, it's not the number of years. It's the content. It's what you're nostalgic for. Music, for example, is something that people, when they're in their senior years, are likely to be somewhat nostalgic for, and the music they're nostalgic for is of the time period when they became adults. Hmm. I wonder if today's technology at all like amplifies nostalgia, because when I think about Facebook, it's very good at reminding you of times in your past. So high school photos and grade school photos, they, they all pop up. Um, it used to be, of course, that if you wanted to look at the past, you had to lug out the carousel photos like Don Draper did, or you had to go to your photo album. But I just wonder how being exposed to the past all the time uh, affects nostalgia. I think it does have an impact, and I think most of the impact is a beneficial one. Okay. With one uh, caveat, the warning I have for it is this. Very often when someone is nostalgic... He or she is seeking out the triggers. For example, if you went into your f digital photos and you started looking for, gee, I want to find a photo of mm -hmm. so-and-so or my trip to, you're in charge, you're in control. Having someone else choose the triggers and feed them to you can be a mixed bag because if they choose well, It'll be just a nice little nostalgic experience. But if they choose badly, for instance, uh, since I teach college students, I have spontaneously been given uh, many, 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 many examples for my students of when things went wrong. Mm. And, for example, if a relationship ended very badly and someone in social media doesn't know that and then they send reminders and photos from an old trip – not realizing that that's actually going to trigger a painful emotional reaction rather than a bittersweet kind of pleasant nostalgic one. Uh, some people uh, in college told me that they actually uh, considered giving up Facebook for that reason. Hmm. 
You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with Christine Bacho, a psychology professor at Lemoyne College who has researched the causes and the effects of nostalgia. Um, I talked earlier about the slogan, Make America Great Again, which has this big component of nostalgia in it. When that slogan was first unveiled, when, when President Trump first started running just for the Republican nomination, did you immediately notice that as like, wait, that's what I study. This is nostalgia. I definitely noticed that. And what I thought was really fascinating to me as a psychologist is uh, during that campaign, Bernie Sanders, who couldn't be further away politically from Donald Trump, right, uh, right. ran an ad that was one of the most popular video ads ever in which the background music was one of the oldies, okay, from a long time ago. It was Simon and Garfunkel, right? It was. And so we have two candidates, both mm, not very young people, right. and uh, followers, people who uh, followed their political ideologies, et cetera, or liked right. the candidate, who were very, very different politically, and yet you saw nostalgia forming an important component in both. So now yeah. the question becomes... What are we really talking about? Are we talking about historical or personal? Well, it, you would have to do almost uh, a literary analysis of the rhetoric involved. But when you listen or go and reread speeches uh, given on the campaign trail, many of the things that Trump used as examples were things that probably came from his growing up time. Hmm. So in a way, you could argue that he was experiencing or being personally nostalgic, whereas his audience, uh, let's say if you're a, oh, a 35-year-old guy who likes Donald Trump, mm -hmm. you didn't live during those times. So for mm -hmm. that person, it might be historical nostalgia. Isn't that interesting? So there could be two different kinds of nostalgia that kind of come together and blend in a funny kind of way. And it doesn't mean just because you're 35 that you don't long for it, even if you didn't experience it firsthand. Like the, the descriptions sound good enough. Yes. And here's the interesting part about nostalgia. There are levels. And so on one level, people can be nostalgic for specific objects, in fact, very specific. For example, someone who is very nostalgic for a particular item of clothing, a dress that they wore, mm -hmm. or an older person who remembers the gown they wore to their uh, senior prom. But those things tend to not be the most important parts of nostalgia. The more important parts are what I call the more conceptual. So things like longing for a time when you could really depend on someone 100%. You wouldn't have to question that they're going to betray you, abandon you, reject you. Someone who would love you just for who you are. Mm -hmm. So in a way, what we're longing for is a, a time when we wouldn't have all these conflicts and worries and fears, when we could actually believe someone and believe that they truly love us, not because of how much we earn or how many academic titles we have, but just because we are who we are. And you never really have that feeling again the rest of your life. So in a way, saying make America great again uh, could be interpreted on one very specific level as the economy and those sorts of things. But actually, when you get down to the nostalgia, emotional part of it, 
It's more about, gee, I, wouldn't it be nice if we could live the way Phil Oakes sang about? Right. Uh, by the way, have there been in politics um, – do you feel like this is a, a a common thing, not just in the most recent 2016 campaign, but um, going back, do you see it as a commonplace thing that politicians play on our sense of yesteryear was better than now? I think it depends upon the historical uh, setting or context. I'll give you a simple example of uh, John F. Kennedy who, because of the time period, the past would have included all those John Wayne movies about World War II and a lot of the horrors of war. So when President Kennedy, was, who was one of the most popular candidates and presidents of all time, uh, get, his rhetoric was just colored with optimism and future-oriented. You know, we're going to put a man on the moon and bring him back right. safely again giving people goals to look forward to rather than the past. And in a way, you could argue that uh, nostalgia is a two-edged sword. I see it as I wish we knew how to harness its healing and wonderful powers and not allow it to become the trap that can trap us in the maladaptive or the unhealthy. Because at its best, nostalgia is future-oriented, which surprises everyone. But all the correlational data I've collected and others have collected show that nostalgia correlates with optimism, not pessimism and not reactionary ideology. Really? It's always about going forward. And that surprises people because you would say, well, why would that be? And I think the answer to that comes down to this. Once you really understand what nostalgia is doing, it's fortifying you. You're trying to hold on to your integrity, your authenticity, your connections to the things that are going to be the groundwork, the foundation, and that gives you the strength and courage and sometimes even the methodologies for moving forward. You, you can take with you all that you've learned in your whole life and move forward with it. Christine Bacho is a psychology professor at Lemoyne College in New York. She researches nostalgia. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike, they've all come to look for America. Batcho has actually created a test called the Nostalgia Inventory to measure how nostalgic you are. She says your score often depends on where you're at in life. Imagine a college student who graduates and their first job is 3,000 miles away from home. At that time, they might score very high because they're missing their family and their home and everything. You can measure your own nostalgia by heading to our website, innovationhub.org.